Hello and welcome back to the Sports Brief Podcast for episode 46. It's Saturday, August 8th, around 7.30 a.m. I know it's early, uh, but I'm excited to be up. Excited to get another episode out. I'm uh, going to be talking about mainly the reasons that I believe the Vikings, our favorite team, are going to be lucky to go 8-8. Eight and eight. As much as that pains me to say, I feel it's the, it's the reality in this, of the situation that we're in. Um, but before we get uh, going into today's show, I'm just going to ask you guys to actually leave a like uh, as well as a comment down below. Last week, we asked you to lightly tap the like button. Not today, people. Girlfriend's coming in from California today for good. Uh, so it is a smash the like button type of day because uh, it's going to be a good day. So make sure you smash the like button. That helps people find the show. Helps people uh, you know, get to find us as well. So... Um, uh, let's also get into this. Uh, there's a lot of different things that I believe uh, really as to why uh, the Vikings are going to be lucky to go 8-8 eight eight this year. Um, and it all starts uh, in the middle, if you will, in the trenches. Uh, I'm actually going to start by talking about the defensive line and the offensive line. Um, mainly the insides. Um, the outsides don't really worry that much. And what I mean by that is uh, on offense, the tackles. I, I know Riley Reef. there's been a lot of controversy about how he should probably move inside. And that the second round is Cleveland. Um, out of Boise should probably uh, Boise State should probably start over him uh, and just get the growing pains out of the way. But uh, I'm not that worried about it. And I'm gonna start with the inside. Um, I want to start by talking about the Michael Pierce and PJ Hall situation. Now, the whole COVID-19 pandemic has really has caused a lot of players to opt out, which is understandable. I agree with it. I, I support it. Um, at the end of the day, uh, this truly is just a game. No matter how much money these people are played or these players are played. This is just a game. They have to make the best decision for themselves, for their families. So I wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly support it. Um, but in that regard, you also have to take into consideration the fact that without Michael Pierce, the Vikings are nothing on the inside. No offense to Shamar Stefan. No offense to Amon Watts. No offense to Hercules Madoffer or the eight other defensive tackles that this team seems to have. Uh, there is no true number one run-stopping defensive tackle other than or who was going to be Michael Pierce and Linval Joseph last year who left for the Chargers. Um, so for Michael Pierce to opt out of the season, I, I don't blame him. I understand it. I support it, as did the Vikings, by the way, which is another show of a classy organization. I'm in some full support of this. I understand it. Uh, for me, it's one of those things where he showed what his priorities are, to, and that's that's honestly what uh, that's what matters, and we know where he stands now. But for the Vikings to go and try, try to trade to get P.J. Hall, now i got to give a lot of props here to Rick Spielman, who apparently isn't just going to sit down and take this one. I uh, Losing Michael Pierce to, uh, not losing him, but the fact that he opted out and then having to go and find his replacement uh, in a very short amount of time what is going to be a tall task for anybody. Um, but for going out and finding a player like PJL, who was drafted in the second round a couple of years ago by the Raiders, now the Lost, um, Las Vegas Raiders, um, I think it was one of those things where you have to give him a lot of props. I don't think a lot of people really, uh, and in the scouting department too, like the scouting department gets deserves so much more credit than they get because they find these players that, that nobody worries about. No, nobody, you know, I mean, guys like Amir Abdullah who. Um, just has has had a resurgence in his career, and I could go on for how many you know for a lot of different players for the Vikings that have just um, completely come out of the woodworks that a lot of people miss. Um, but point is, um, for Mike Zimmer, excuse me, uh, Rick Spielman to go out and try to get PJ Hall and absolutely just um, fix this inside uh, attack for the Vikings. I, I was I was flapping. I was I was elated. I really was. But isn't it typical Vikings fashion 
that something doesn't work out. There's always something that's going to go wrong. As a Vikings fan, you learn this. I learned it in 2009 when the Vikings went to the NFC Championship game with Brett Favre. Vikings fans know the year all too well. I learned it then, and I'm still learning it now. Nothing ever comes easy for the Vikings, and that's just how it goes. Uh, PJ Hall failed his physical. Yeah, you heard me right. He failed his physical uh, in order to uh, for the trade to go through, and it didn't go through because of it. And that is why uh, this is the number one reason as to why I believe the Vikings will be lucky to go eight and eight. Lucky. Now, I also want to start by saying that I realize that there is a lot of promise with this team. There is a lot of talent. Uh, there is a lot of uh, different things going on that I think with this team, especially in the coaching staff uh, from top to bottom, there's a lot to be excited about, yes. But it all starts with stopping the run if you're the Minnesota Vikings. Does anybody remember who, which team they lost to in the divisional round of the playoffs who went on to, win, to uh, play in the Super Bowl and was basically one possession away from winning it? 49ers, yeah. And uh, who, I'm sorry, I can't remember. How did they win that game? How did the 49ers win that game on the Vikings? Hmm. Yeah, they ran the ball down their throats. So if the Vikings can't stop the run this year with the likes of Green Bay also having Aaron Jones and the 49ers running down everybody, they're not going to win a lot of games. And that's just how the, the, this, the reality of the situation, that's the reality of what we're going into. So I, I fully don't expect, especially if the Vikings don't make another move, which I, I don't expect them to, um, considering low amount of cap space and not a lot of room on the roster. And I'm, 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 I'm not trying to take shots at a lot of these guys, but a lot of these guys hasn't proven, haven't proven themselves. I'm a big fan of Armin Watts, who is absolutely just came out of uh, the woodworks last year and just showed a lot last year. And, but he doesn't seem to get the time of day. Uh, maybe that's more of a coaching thing in terms of maybe not understanding the play calling, um, whether it's uh, or just lining up correctly. Whatever it is, he just doesn't get the time of day. So uh, I'm, I'm kind of interested to see what's going to go on there. Um, but for the for the rest of the inside, there has not been a true number one cut defensive tackle that I can say that I have full confidence in heading into the 2020 season. Um, probably now dubbed COVID season. I don't know. But point is, uh, I'm worried. Uh, and that's a big reason as to why I think the Vikings um, – this defense, especially, probably if, if they don't get it, but it's going to take a step back, unfortunately. That's not the answer we want to hear, but it's the answer that we, we have to um, we have to think about, we have to acknowledge, um, because that could very well be it. Now, we're going to move on to the offensive line uh, situation. Um, I feel like the offensive line now, when I, I mentioned earlier in the show, by the way, that uh, both like on the outside, so in other words, on the right tackle position, I'm going to go back to the offensive line here. Uh, on the right tackle position, uh, I mean, you, you've got guys that uh, Brian, like Brian O'Neill that just come in and just surprise everybody. And that's, a, that's great. I love Brian O'Neill. I think he's going to be a stalwart at that uh, right tackle position for a long time. Uh, and then you've got guys like Riley Reef who, um, who aren't all pros, but they come in and they do their job and they leave. That's, that, that's not a lot more you can ask. I think he did the job in, in certain aspects last year. And even um, Clint Kubiak, I mean uh, – he was a guy that really came out last year and said that they, they didn't do a great job of uh, uh, Brian Kubiak. Excuse me, didn't come out and uh, did, came out and said that they did not do a great job of chipping blockers and uh, helping out Riley Reef when and truly they needed it. Uh, Gary Kubiak, my God, I, I, it's early. Give me a break, okay? Um, anyway, Gary Kubiak came out and said that the Vikings didn't do a great job of helping Riley Reef, especially against guys like Preston and Zadarius Smith, uh, guys like. Um, 
uh, Nick Bosa, who just had his way with Reef in the NFC uh, divisional round last year. So I get the excuse that, okay, we didn't give him a lot of help, but at the same time, this is the NFL. You're, uh, you're a guy that a lot of people are counting on. You're left tackle, starting left tackle in the NFL. You're expected to be able to do your job. And for the most part, I feel like Riley Reef does that um, better than a lot of the other Vikings in the past. Um, anywho, uh, not... And, and then obviously on the defensive side of the football, the Vikings have always had some good defensive ends. It didn't really matter um, what year, what season it was. They've always had good defensive ends. Obviously, Everson Griffin leaving is it's catastrophic for this team. It's going to be something that's really tough to see. Um, but I just feel like even though no matter how good a defensive ends they have, even with Daniel Hunter, even with Ifadio Denebo, who I think is going to be a breakout candidate this year, you're leaving a big hole in the middle. Big hole in the middle, and it's going to be a tough thing to uh, try to. I, I put a bandage on, maybe. Uh, I, I don't know. It, it's something I'm really worried about the offensive and defensive lines. And again, not on the not on the outsides, on the inside where the meat of the money is won, right there. You have the heat of the battle. Yep. Uh, and I, I'm really worried about it. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, and personally, I'm a, I'm a little afraid to watch. As a Vikings fan, usually every year we're always afraid to watch. Like I, I think the saying goes, Vikings fans, um, we prepare for the worst, but we hope for the best. Yeah. That's that's the most that's the truest thing I've ever heard of being a Vikings fan, um, and then there's uh, and, and kind of moving on to this. Uh, th- there's also rumors uh, from Gary Kubiak there, got at that time, of moving Ezra Cleveland to uh, to in the mix at right guard. What? I I was under the impression this guy, you know, being a former starting left tackle at Boise State, I was figuring this guy was probably going to push Riley Reef to either start or he was going to start over Riley Reef, and we were just going to get the growing pains over right now. I was all for that because, again, I felt like this kid was uber athletic, had a lot of talent, um, and was really ready to go. So I, I, I was flabbergasted when Kubiak came out and said that because I, I realize you want guys to be versatile. You want to see how they handle different situations, how they handle different positions, formations, um, blocking tickets, everything. I understand that. But right guard? Can we give Drew Samia the time of day, please? This man has been a mauler ever since I have seen him play. Now, does he get uh, the occasional unnecessary roughness penalty? Yeah. Okay. Aren't you going to take that from a guard, though? Like, isn't that something that you you almost, like, encourage from guards? Like, you want them to be mean, nasty players that come in and just wreck people. So, I, can we please just give Drew Samia the starting right guard job? And if he if he messes up, let's let's look at other options. But I, I feel like Drew Samia is going to come in and do a great job and uh, absolutely tear it up. So I think, I, I, again, I understand having options and, and doing all that sort of a thing, but come on. Drew Samia deserves to start. Uh, and, and the fact that they're even considering Ezra Cleveland on the inside, who one of his, one of a big concern of Cleveland was his ability to anchor. And you're going to put him in to a position that relies on your ability to anchor. No. Okay. Move the man to left tackle. Let him start growing his pains now. His growing pains now. And then we'll talk later, okay? And then uh, Kubiak also had the nerve to say that Rife, Reef would not move inside. Again, why? Because I, I, I real again, I know he was serviceable last year. He wasn't he wasn't the worst left tackle in the NFL, but he certainly wasn't the best either. And in that regard, if Kirk Cousins is going to have any time this year, can we please do what we intended to, to this entire time and just groom a left tackle, a starting left tackle? Okay, it's about time that the Vikings found one. Matt Khalil was a mean tease. Like, honestly, it was something that I, I I still think about today about how the Vikings literally traded down and they were still able to get uh, what they thought was a quality player. He was just a tease. We thought he was going to be the best, one of the best offensive line that we've ever seen. Um, but no, that just wasn't the case. So um, it's been rough. We need to be able to 
it's time to find our starting left tackle, uh, in my in my opinion. So um, again, uh, I know that this is it, we haven't really truly hit training camp yet, so or we're about to. But point is, please, can we get this offensive line short up and and not try to, try to throw a lot of monkey wrenches into things? Again, I realize there's a lot of you know without without Josh Klein, there's kind of, there's a one hole. The rest of my four remaining starters, but if Pat Offline is not does not have any serious competition and he's forced to start this year, I will scream. Because part of admitting and fixing any problem is admitting that there is one. Well, yeah, I just said it. You have to admit that there's a problem before you can fix it. And Pat Offline has absolutely, clearly not gotten the job done in, uh, up to date. So we need to be able to make sure that we're holding everybody accountable, uh, get the most competition, the best guys in that we can. Uh, and I, I think there's a lot of promising players on this on this Vikings roster, and I need them to show out because Offline can't be comfortable. He I, obviously... Obviously, the weak link on the offensive line, but I, I I'm not even giving up on Pat Offline. I just want I just want everybody to compete. Everybody, a lot of people are actually giving up on on uh, Pat Offline because of the fact of how he played last year. It's been a couple of years that they're worried that his development has crashed. It's over. I I think he could still be a, be a very good offensive guard in this NFL, and not just offensive offensive guard. Uh, yes, I said it. Uh, even at Ohio State, he was an All American. Okay. I think he could be a very good offensive guard in this NFL, um, and I think it just all starts with coaching. Now he's he's coming back from being healthy. Now he's fully healthy. Uh, he's been coming back from a year in which he's playing the same position twice. So um, I think this is going to be huge. And and not having a year of strength and conditioning, you know, because I mean, what did he break his ankle in the NFC Championship game in the year after that he had shul- shoulder surgery? Come on, let's give this guy the time of day. Let's let him let's let him get a. He's now that he's fully comfortable in the scheme and position that he's playing. Let's give him the time of the day because I, I think he can be a very good and promising player for the Vikings. Uh, moving on to the wide receivers. Now, the, the wide receivers position isn't necessarily one that I see as a weakness for the Vikings, but it's um, it's no longer necessarily a strength. I mean, yeah, we've got Adam Thielen, but uh, we've also got Justin Jefferson, who is, I think at this point, um, he's hyped right now, but I don't know I, I, I don't know if the hype is worth it right now. I, good player, obviously scored 18 touchdowns last year in a Joe Burrow-led LSU offense last year. So personally, I think that Justin Jefferson has got a lot to prove this year. And I don't think it's fair to either label, even label him as like a replacement to Stephon Diggs. That's not fair. The man is, uh, he's got a lot to learn. He's got a lot of things to do. So um, I, I, he's a rookie. Let's give him some time to develop. Um, but even guys like Courtney Davis, I'm excited about this wide receiver room. I know it's not necessarily, we don't have two of the best wide receiver duo, duos in the NFL anymore. Like We don't have the best wide receiver duo, duo uh, anymore. So this is going to be kind of a, 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 a dart in the dark where we're taking shots at. So we're going to see what what fix, you know, what sticks and what doesn't stick uh, as we figure out this wide receiver position. So um, personally, I think that it's going to take the Vikings a while to develop Jefferson just because of uh, what we were thinking with Laquan Treadwell, we were fully expecting Laquan Treadwell. And Jefferson and Laquan Treadwell, obviously not the same type of player, not different people. Um, I've seen nothing but good things from Jefferson. Point is, I'm not counting my chickens before they hatch, Vikings fans. We have to be able to acknowledge the fact he's a rookie. We have to give him time to develop. And most of all, we have to give the man a chance to show what he can do as a rookie in terms of uh, in terms of learning the playbook. We saw what Ola B.C. Johnson did last year. He was a guy that, uh, seventh-round draft pick. I, I for one, in the, on the podcast, I even said I thought Dylan Mitchell was going to make more of an impact on Ola B.C. Johnson. Boy, were we all wrong. Because Ola B.C. Johnson came in last year, and not only just as a route runner, but as a guy that was a reliable target for Kirk Cousins, absolutely came in and just tore it up. And there's not a lot you can say 
uh, about that. I think you have to be able to acknowledge what he brought to this offense last year. He was a guy, a very a trustworthy, a reliable target, uh, even especially on third down. So um, I'm, I'm really excited for this wide receiver room. I, I know that, I mean, we've got a lot of guys coming in that, um, that some are unproven, some have, uh, you know, just that hasn't gone their way. But I'm extremely excited to see what this wide receiver group has done. But it's we have to acknowledge it. This one too, we are no longer we don't we no longer have a top wide receiver duo in the NFL anymore yet. We'll see what uh, Justin Jefferson does. Um, I was reading an article yesterday. I know you, some of you are probably thinking shocking. He reads, yeah, I was reading an article yesterday. It was by Chris Thomas. He's a legendary Vikings reporter. Um, one of my well, actually he's one of my favorite reporters of all time. I know. I don't, is, is, is that lame to say a favorite report of all time? I don't know. Point is, the title went like this. The Vikings may be better on offense than defense for the first time under Mike Zimmer. How far have we come? What else can 2020 throw at us? I'm going to knock on wood because it's been a lot so far. Point is... Ever since Mike Zimmer came in, the, the defense has always been better than the offense, and that's it's expected. He's a defensive coordinator. He's a guy that, of course, the offense is going to be uh, isn't going to be as good as the defense because that's all the defense is what Mike Zimmer cares about. It's his baby. Even when he was in Cincinnati, there was a lot of time, a lot of years that the, the clearly the defense was better than the offense because he's a defensive minded coach. He's a defensive guru, so of course the defense is going to be better. Now, Chris uh, was talking about this more in the fact that. Uh, the amount of pro, pro bowlers and the fact that the Vikings lost three pro bowlers from last year. You know, you got guys like um, Everson Griffin and, and Xavier Rhodes. I don't know how Xavier Rhodes made the pro bowl and Linval Joseph, by the way. Um, I, I don't not no Linval Joseph. I, I love Linval, but I don't know how Xavier Rhodes made the play or made the pro bowl. Like what? Like this guy, clearly they had nobody else to go play in the pro bowl. So the, he made the pro bowl and that was just whatever, whatever. Anyway, Point is, uh, Chris was alluding to the fact that now the Vikings have more Pro Bowlers on offense than on defense, but I don't think that necessarily means that uh, that they're necessarily better. Uh, the offense is. I think this defense has a lot of talent, a lot of young, promising talent. Obviously, Eric Kendricks, Daniel Hunter, um, Everett Griffin, who left. I understand. That hopefully, we get him back. Uh, but Afadio Denebo is stepping up. I've seen some good things from Amon Watts. Um, Cameron Dancer, extremely excited. I've heard nothing but good things coming out of uh, Vikings training camp so far. Um, pressing in terms of technique and um, you know knowledge of the playbook and everything. So I'm extremely excited about him. Jeff Gladney's coming in first round draft pick uh, out of TCU. Extremely excited to see what he can do. Uh, and obviously Harrison Smith, Harry the Hitman. He, we need to continue to appreciate what we're seeing with Harrison Smith. He is one of the greatest safeties of all time. I don't care. I'll have this debate with anybody. He's one of my favorite players of all time. Harry the Hitman. I don't need to say anything else. Um, and then also Anthony Harris. I mean, I, I think the Vikings should try to sign up to his contract extension, but we'll get there when we get there. Point is, there's a lot of talent on this Vikings defense, so just to solely base an article on the fact that the amount of Pro Bowlers that the Vikings have, and, and just say outright that the Vikings offense may better be better than the defense, there's two sides to everything. I understand it that that's true. There are more Pro Bowlers on the offensive side of the football, but I also feel like there's more promise on the defensive side. Like we, we don't know. We've got a higher ceiling than on the offensive side of the football. Like, for instance, Kirk Cousins, we, we all realize that in big-time games, he doesn't necessarily show up, and he has, that's just been the stigma that's surrounded his career. Um, but point is, I, I, I feel like this offense, it's a good offense, but I, I feel like we, we've seen the peak of it. We've seen what, what Dalvin Cook can do when he's healthy, um, 
And unfortunately, it all runs through Delvin Cook. So if he's out, we saw how um, how rough it was for this Vikings offense to get moving, um, even you know during the playoffs, regular season, whatever it was. So I think there's a lot of things that you have to look at, especially on the offensive side of the football, and say, okay, we might be reaching our peak here. Um, and so uh, there's a lot of things on defensively that the Vikings can do to get a lot better. I mean, in terms of uh, they've always been one of the best tackling teams in the NFL, um, and they've got one of the better uh, uh, defensive-minded coaches. Uh, that will honestly, I think uh, it, it's not over. This defense has still got a long way to go. I understand that, but uh, I'm very encouraged by what I see. Uh, again, though, I know it's going to be tough because we don't have an inside presence. No to stop the football, uh, stop the run, excuse me. So that'll be rough, but um, hopefully the Vikings can get some, something figured out because at the end of the day, Ooh, boy, if you can't stop the run, you're not going to go anywhere. And Mike Zimmer knows that all too well. So, um, But those are the main reasons as to why uh, I think the Vikings will be lucky to win eight games in 2020. Yes, I know. Hurts Vikings fans. But we got we to gotta look at it for what it is. Um, so, um, <laughs> remember to subscribe to our Also, leave a like and a comment.